Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. We interview women in the sports and entertainment businesses to teach you the tips and the mindset that will get you to the top faster. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. Let's bring visibility to women who are crushing it in their roles. Join us week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. We will lead you forward because leadership is female. Courtney Rice, Vice President at Revel XP, joins us to open season six of the Leadership is Female podcast. This is episode 119. I have to start off this season with so much gratitude for you, the listeners. Thank you for listening and thank you for helping to elevate the voices of women in business. We have so much to share and our advice is shared with the purpose of lifting others and showing you what's possible. Thank you to all the guests of the Leadership is Female podcast for coming to the microphone with your voice, your very own personal voice and story. So today we've got Courtney. Courtney is a sales leader, and if I had one word for today, it would be advice. She gives it. The biggest takeaway from this episode is that Courtney has grown in her career through getting uncomfortable. She shares many stories around this topic, what exactly it means to get uncomfortable and how the growth happens, all of this in order to help you succeed and know that it is possible to get outside your comfort zone and, in fact, survive. I want to drop one more topic at the beginning of this episode and let you know that Courtney discusses her journey with IVF in this interview. I know so many of you are thinking about starting families or have gone through a similar journey to Courtney's. She shares some of this story and she shares this for one reason, to serve the audience. Learn how Courtney shared this news with her boss and coworkers, how she sets boundaries, and how she manages the ups and downs of IVF while simultaneously climbing the ladder. Listen in and level up. Let's go. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast, Courtney Rice, Vice President at Revel XP. We are pumped to have you and to kick off season six of Leadership is Female. You arrived on this show just like a lot of amazing women do by referral, and I'm just always amazed at the network of of women supporting women and women recognizing women for their excellence in their career. And you certainly have had quite the career. And I'm very excited to talk about all you've done and share all the tips that I know you have for our listeners. Yeah, I can't wait. Thank you for having me. Excited to be on. Of course. All right. So tell us who you are and what you do. I'm from Indianapolis and currently live in Dallas, Texas with my husband and our two dogs. Made the move to Dallas to work with Revel XP, which we're all over the map in what we do um, within the sports and entertainment industry. And so it's been really fun to be involved and looking to continue my path in sports business and get to know other great women just like you and those around the country. Yeah. And like a lot of the women who are working in sports, you were an athlete, you played soccer at Illinois state. Do you think this had anything to do with choosing your career path and what lessons have you taken from the soccer field that apply to your career today? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing of playing sports in college is you have to have a lot of resiliency. There's a lot of coaching and failure and feedback. And so 
if anything, it prepared me immensely to go into sales in general because I was ready for the the no's and the the hard conversations. But I knew as I was leaving playing soccer in college that I didn't want to leave sports. And so moving back to Indianapolis, it was my goal to to get into something within the pro space. And so thankfully, I was able to do that with an internship to start off while I was still in college. Um, but I do think it really prepared me just for the trials that you you experience as you you head into your first job, not really knowing what you want to do. But sports was always the the number one thing on my radar. And I, I love that so early on. I mean, you're so young. You're like 20, 21 at this point. You make the jump from Illinois State and move to Indy because you want to be around that team environment and get an opportunity to land a role with uh, with one of the pro teams in town. And you did. You began your career with the Pacers, moved up the ranks from intern to corporate ticket sales manager. How did the sales experience shape the executive you are today? Yeah, I I mean, I think the first month or so in the role with the Pacers and inside sales, um, I I really questioned if I was supposed to be doing it. I felt like an imposter. I did not think I would be good at sales. Cold calling scared me. And I just pushed myself to get uncomfortable and figure out what worked best for me in the sales world. And so I really found my style to make sure I could be successful. And so I didn't have to make a hundred 200 calls in a day to people that didn't want to talk to me. Um, So I think it was all about just getting creative in my process and finding something that fit my personality and style, which was networking. And, you know, I got the job because of people I talked to on campus in Indianapolis at the University of Indianapolis, where I went after transferring. And, you know, it really put into my mind that it's really about who you know to begin with in the sports industry and not just about what you know, you can learn that as you go. And so I really tried to stick with that as I networked to continue to grow in the industry as well. I get flashbacks of my time with the Bulls. When you talk about sales at the at the Pacers, I think I started sweating a little bit thinking about like what a fish out of water I was from. I was a soccer player like you, but shy. Like I could, I could crush it on the field, but making me do 80 phone calls a day was like so outside my comfort zone. But like you, I really grew in that experience and knew like, I have to figure this out if I, if I want my career to blossom. So you, you mentioned networking as, as one of the main keys to your success in a sales role. What do you think, or how would you define your three keys to success in sales? Yeah, I think, especially now, um, you know, when I started, we didn't even have a Salesforce system or anything to track customer data, like we were working off an Excel sheet. And so I think now more than ever with the way technology is trending and how people approach sales, how you are creative is one of the number one ways to build success. Like you don't see the same type of person come in to a sales role and be successful. It's it's really about their creativity, their curiosity, and then their, I think their resiliency and being able to to survive the valleys of sales because everything is number driven. And at the end of the day, if you're not hitting your numbers, the stress of not hitting your numbers is going to be something that's weighing on you. And so you really have to be able to battle that area of being uncomfortable. And so I I think the most important thing though, is being creative 
How are you reaching your customers and prospective clients strategically in the way they want to be reached? not just calling them 15 times in a day. Like there's other ways that they want to be engaged. And so how do you uncover that to, to find success? How do you think those communication norms have changed in terms of reaching your customers? Yeah. I mean, I don't think cold text messaging is the way to go. And I know some people do that, but I do think like networking and referrals are huge. I mean, you and I met through a referral, right? And so I also think there's video messaging, there's artificial intelligence that's out there now. And so dependent on somebody, how somebody engages, you can kind of customize that. And so one of the things we've seen a lot of success with is video messaging, where we send them a hype video with a green screen, and then we track engagement with that. And so that's just not something you would have had in your, your tool belt when you were reaching out to prospects. Back when I started in inside sales, like we, we just cold called and emailed. And so I think getting warm leads and using some of the new tools that are out in the market kind of help cultivate that. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's become more high touch, even though people don't want to necessarily hear from you over the phone all the time, you want a higher touch with, with your customers and with your prospects, because we're not really getting that anymore in day-to-day customer service. So I think you can really stand out when you go the extra mile, um, you're instilling that, that confidence that you're going to, to pull through for your customer. Yeah. You really have to break through the noise. I feel like, cause everybody's sending something about a product that they want you to look at probably every day. Absolutely. All right. So using all of these keys to sales, you went from the Pacers to Sacramento to work with the Kings. Why did you stay in the NBA? So making that move from, from Pacers to Kings and, and then why did you make this move? That's a a big move from, uh, from Indy to, to SAC in California. Yeah. I think I was a little naive when I initially decided to apply for the role. And I say that because you look at the stereotypical org chart in the NBA and it's like, okay, I've done this and this, what's the next thing that everybody does. And so I was like, I want to be in leadership that's what I want to do. And then when people would ask me, I didn't really have an answer right away. And so then you start to think it through. And so I knew the Kings were opening a new stadium and that they had a very good reputation for culture and how they went about the sales process and just who they were in the NBA. Um, And so when I started to talk to people about some of the leadership there, all I heard was great feedback. And I knew it would be my first step into getting out of the individual focus of my day-to-day of selling with a sales goal and into coaching and growing those around me. And I felt at the time that I would see the most fulfillment from that type of role, which getting there and being a part of opening the new arena, working with the people that I did, it it was probably the best decision that I made. I knew nobody there. Uh, And so professionally, I stayed because I felt like everything we were doing was always forward facing and very just what can we do that's new that nobody else is doing. And I felt like I was with really good people from a leadership standpoint that made me uncomfortable in a good way to grow, had my best interests at heart, but also collaborated together on a day in day basis. And so it was just the perfect scenario to jump into. And I think I got really fortunate with that, not knowing as much at, I think I was 26 when I made the move. 
And then on the personal side, I met my husband two weeks after I moved there. And so he's from Sacramento. So it was just the dream scenario, I think, of not expecting to stay there long and then walking into a perfect culture. And then on my personal life, kind of meeting my, the person I ended up marrying and starting a life with. Yeah. It sounds like this, this move that was a leap for you really turned into finding the right culture and the right fit, which is just another emphasis on how important that is in your career growth. And then also, you know, it it grew your personal life as well. So it was, it was the right move for you. It was six years that you were there as a sales leader. And during that time you had four promotions. So why do you think you were always selected for promotion during that time? Yeah, it's such, it's a good question because I think it, it depends on the opportunity even existing. You know, if, if others around you are growing upwards, then you have that opportunity too. I think one of the things I tried to do, and I still to this day try to do it is in whatever role I am in, where are there gaps in the organization that I can help fill and find ways to generate new revenue and grow people at the same time. And so at the Kings, it was jumping into sales technology, helping refine new processes and and build my presence. And so I think that was one of the first buckets that really helped with my growth there. I think the second thing, and I kind of mentioned this from playing in college is just being able to take feedback and coaching. You know, I got a lot of feedback when I, I started that I was very cold. I didn't show a lot of emotion. And at the end of the day, Emily, like sometimes that's just who you are, you know, you can't change everything, but I tried to take that at, at face value of how can I grow from that? If that's the perception, even though this is who I, I feel like I am, like, is, are there things I can do that make people understand like how the warmth I can provide and that I want the best for them. And so I really tried to focus on whatever feedback I got, irregardless of if I fully believed it or not, at least 5% of it is always true, meaning I need to work on that. And so I always just tried to take it and run with it instead of being offended. That's great advice. Feedback is tough. You know, sometimes we talk a big game, like give it to me. And then you hear it and you're like, no, <laughs> not that much or not, not negative feedback. I meant like the good stuff, yeah. um, but, but yes. you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. And, and taking that time to reflect and the way that you articulated that, well, I, you know, I don't really think I'm like that, but if that's what other people are seeing, maybe 5% of that is true is, is a really good lens to, to review. And I've asked for a lot of advice from you, and I want to be explicit here. What's your biggest piece of advice for women who are in a sales role? You know, I think the hardest thing is finding those around you that can relate to your experience. And so finding mentor and mentors and sponsors, I think is number one that can be within your organization. It could be on the other side of the country, but if you haven't taken the time to build those relationships and have it as a two-way street of growth, um, it could be with another woman. It could be with another man that's in leader. It could be anybody. Just you need to find those people that will support you through your growth and give you feedback. And then you can also help them grow as well. And so I think I've had a lot of people in my corner as I've gone through my career. And that's something we can't take for granted 
Really great advice there. Absolutely. Finding those mentors and not something I didn't do till later in my career. And once I did, it made all the difference in the world. So for those of you listening who are at the beginning, you know, think about uh, that, those two-way relationships, the two-way street of growth that you can, uh, can secure and know that there's someone else, you know, in your corner. Do you find it helpful to have somebody outside your organization? I do, because I think it's great to have peer-to-peer people a level above you, people below you, whatever it may be, but everybody in your organization is going to be slightly biased because they all are working within the same environment. And so I think a good mix is really healthy and all it takes is just making the ask. And if you send out 10 requests for a call, I mean, somebody is going to respond, even if not everybody does. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about your current role with Revel XP. So for those of our listeners who don't know, and I'm excited to share the amazing things that your company is doing, you are the experience around game day and you think that that has has fractured. And so the goal is for fans to rediscover their passion for in-person attendance at games and events who will make every effort in these moments to make them momentous. And Revel XP is ready to reignite, reimagine, and redefine game day. So how does your role activate this mission? You know, I was thinking about this a lot before our call, and I think probably the, the most recent relevant example is what we built at the College Football Playoffs National Championship at SoFi Stadium a couple weeks ago or on the, the 9th of January. Our In my role, like our, our goal with every partner we have is to take the experience and make it something that goes way beyond just game day. And so if they're buying a ticket to a game, what can we do to make that experience start two days before, the day after, whatever it may be, so that it's it's a full weekend full multi-day experience. And so for the CFP, anybody that purchased a premium package with us was not only opting in to go to the game with TCU and Georgia, but they were also given the opportunity to stay at one of our hotels that we had a block in that had hotel hospitality throughout the whole weekend. We took care of them with ground transportation to and from the game. They got access to our Sunday night party featuring Dirk Bentley who did a private concert for them. And then they also got access to pregame events leading up to the game that included dueling pianos outside at one of the pregame events, all-inclusive food and beverage, sushi, everything you can think of in a premium lounge. And then they went to the game. And so if, if you look at all of our partnerships, that's what we're trying to do across the board is just cultivate that experience um, from start to finish and make it more than just a game ticket. I mean, you're really saying like, what would make this the greatest, most memorable event ever? And then you're doing it all. (laughs) That is, sounds like an incredible weekend. How does, how does somebody get a ticket to this? Are you selling to, to corporations? Are you selling to individuals? Like what does that sales process look like? Yeah, we, we sell to everybody. We had corporations buy from us. We had fan-specific purchases. We had sponsors of conferences or the CFP purchase that wanted to entertain their clients. And so really it's available to, to everyone. And I think it's on Revel XP to build that brand awareness. 
And, and the crazy thing, Emily, is that that is one of many things that we do. You know, you could go online today and see the build we did for the San, San Antonio Spurs game at the Alamo Dome. We were a part of that, you know, and so um, we are constantly involved in just providing a more premium experience when accessible across the, the board. Yeah, I saw a bunch of posts about that, the game at the Alamo Dome. And I have a question in here. It sounds like the stories are endless in terms of your activations. CFP, I mean, that sounded amazing. And um, want to know what's what's the best one you've done, in your opinion? Uh, that that for me, you know, I've, I'm coming up on two years. That That for me in LA was probably the best one I've seen the final four build that the team does. I have not been there for that, um, but the pictures look amazing. It's so many chairs around the stadium, like everything you see, they spend all day doing. I'd say the other thing that I felt we really hit a home run with is the the premium structure we built for uh, University of Kansas. And so we added it into their end zone and it gave them more premium seats to sell for football game days and just changed how people experienced their games, you know, and they, they went undefeated for half of the year. And so it was the energy there was insane. And so that, I think that build is, is something you'll see us do more and more around the country is provide different collegiate teams with premium builds that they can use to, to drive revenue. So I'm curious with the premium build, a lot of teams in the past year have been blowing out seats and doing more like group areas. And yeah. what I'm hearing is Revel XP is taking the experience beyond the game day. So you're getting that sort of group engagement outside or leading up to the game. Do you think that's sort of the new path is like, let's put people back in seats, but let's expand their experience beyond game time. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's, it's creating an experience beyond game day. And so can they tailgate with us? beforehand? Do they want us to, to put gifting packages or dinners together for them? But then I also think it's providing new layers of premium. You know, I think millennials are at the, the stage where a lot of them can start to, and they have the appetite for a premium experience, but maybe can't afford the six-figure suite investment that others are purchasing. And so what does that get an experience for the new generations coming in that have that appetite, but maybe can't make the largest investment. And so building that pipeline, I think is something else that you'll see more and more, not only from us, but just around the country and sports is what's that entry level premium experience. If you are listening to this podcast, I know you are a busy professional. We can agree. We're always looking for products that are convenient and make life easier. Mobot water bottles are one of these products. It's a water bottle and a foam roller in one. I use the water bottle at the gym, staying hydrated in boot camp and then flipping the bottle on its side at the end of class to quickly foam roll my legs. It helps with recovery and gets me back to work faster. Get yours at mobot.com and use the code leadershipisfemale, all one word, to get 15% off. Support Lonnie Cooper, the female founder of this product, and support yourself. This is a must-have wellness water bottle. At Leadership is Female, we are serious about supporting you in your career. 
That includes the tips to get you ahead inside your current organization or provide you with the next big opportunity in a new role. That's why we have partnered with Legacy Search, an executive recruiting firm specializing in mid to senior level executive searches across professional, collegiate, and minor league sports. Check out the openings listed at LegacySportsSearch.com or in our monthly Leadership is Female newsletter. Hint, if you have not signed up for the newsletter, head to leadershipisfemale.com. If you find a job listed at Legacy Sports Search that looks like it should be yours, email us at leadershipisfemale at gmail.com and we will introduce you directly to the opportunity. This is your career. Make the most of it. You have heard so many of the professionals on this podcast talk about the importance that a mentor has made in their career. I've had so many listeners reach out to me to ask me about mentorship. The problem is mentors don't grow on trees. I'm working with my company, The Assist Group, to, well, provide the assist. We're going to form a mentorship cohort so that we can make sure you find the mentor you need to help your career grow. Make sure you're on the list to get all the details when they drop later this year. Visit theassistgroupwins.com to join the waitlist. I want to tell you about an event happening this March 1st and 2nd, the California Conference for Women. Influential experts like Gail Devers, Naomi Osaka, Misty Copeland, and more will lead practical workshops on the issues that matter most to women, including leadership, career advancement, workplace equity and inclusion, health, work-life balance, and much more. There is still early bird pricing available for the event. Here's a promo code just for you. C-A-C-F-W-G-O-23. C-A-C-F-W-G-O-23. The code is valid for the in-person and virtual events. Check it out at caconferenceforwomen.org. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to somebody the other day and um, like millennials is not the dirty word anymore to talk about our generation. Like we're turning between 35 and 40 years old and the disposable income is ramping up. Like now we're your customers. We're not like the slackers in your office. (laughs) That's, that's got a new name, you know, in that generation that that us old people want to talk about. So, yeah, certainly finding that niche and that key to to attracting and entertaining the millennial audience is is the key and it sounds like Revel is doing that. I I love that work. Yeah. It is funny to think about all the articles that were out of how do you manage a millennial entering yeah. the workforce and now I mean you don't see anything about that anymore, but No. Times have changed. No. We're, now we're talking about Gen Z and, uh, and TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is through TikTok. Yeah. Because we're millennials, we're millennials and we're working and we're at, you know, these levels and companies with, and disposable income, like we're the customer today. So, you know, all that time that we spent really wanting experiences and, um, engaged in, in social activity, like you're capturing that now with, with your company repackaging and selling it to make the game day experience um, something that is is shareable, is something you want to capture on Instagram, and um, and something that you're going to talk about for a long time because you're going above yeah. and beyond that regular game day experience. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to dip into a little bit more on on Courtney. You had to move from SAC to Dallas when 
you took the job with Revel. What has that move been like for you over the past couple of years? And what do you, what advice do you have for women who need to make a big move to further their career and how do you make it quote unquote easier? Yeah. I mean, it's uncomfortable to to make a change. I think it helped that I had done it once before on my own and just kind of drove with my parents out to Sacramento and they left me there and I had to figure it out. And so we were very excited to move here. It brought us closer to family. We got to, you know, purchase a house that we're in love with. It just, we really put roots down here. And so I think the mindset I took when we made the decision was like, what's the worst that's going to happen? If we don't like it, we will do something else. But if you don't do it, then you're left wondering, why didn't I take this risk and try it? And so you know, it was the same thing I said when I moved to Sacramento, if I don't like it, like I don't have to live here for the rest of my life. I can move back home. I can move somewhere else. And so I just, I don't see it as a, a binding decision. It's just another stepping stone and whatever my journey is going to be year over year. And so for me, I, I tried to approach it as excitement. I, I think the the hardest part for me, Emily, was leaving my comfort zone of being in the MBA, MBA for my whole career you know, you're, you've been on the team side the whole time. You kind of know what you, everything that you think you need to know. You've gone through multiple seasons of product launches and trauma and all this stuff. And Revel was just very unknown. And so that changing my career trajectory was probably the, the hardest part. And the move to Dallas kind of made it really exciting at the same time. Yeah. You take all that at one time and in some ways it's a little bit easier. You're just like, jumping into the new experience, new city, new job, new role, similar industry, but also new industry. I mean, going from, from team side to event experience is, is really different. I did that uh, for a little more than a year and a half when I was in Houston and you got one weekend, like one weekend or one day to make it all happen. There's not a season of make goods should something go wrong. So for me, that was, that was the toughest part. What's been, what's been the hardest part for you leaving, leaving team side and sort of that, you know, work, build up, do the season. And then you go through this rhythm of evaluating, changing, selling, and then kind of doing it all again. It's this familiar cycle. So what has been um, sort of the biggest difference or the biggest challenge between event experience now today and, and team side? Yeah. I mean, I feel like you glamorize whatever is in the past when you compare it. So it's like, I start this new role. Everything at the Kings was fantastic. Why is this so hard? Why am I trying to adjust, you know? But then when you really think about like my first couple of years at the Kings, like there, there's always things that are going to be hard or that you struggled with where you were like, should I be here? Should I not? And so I just tried to remember that nothing is glamorized in my, my journey and that it's okay to to want to evaluate if I made the right decision in my my career change. And you know, I sit here today and I feel strongly that it was a great decision. Um, I love working for Revel XP, and I think the the biggest change is you focus on one team every year, every day. It's the Sacramento Kings. Here, it's like okay, we have sixty partners. How many of those do I focus on in my role? And how do I balance all of those different pieces and collaborate with everybody, not only with our partners, but then internally. And so originally it was really 
a really big adjust adjustment for me, but I've turned to really love it because I feel like every day could be different. I could be talking about SEC basketball from nine to 10 today. And then from 10 to 11, I'm talking about the college football playoffs or a specific conversation with the University of Texas. And so it's been really fun to to really diversify my experience. And that was one of my boxes I wanted to check when I made the, the decision with my career. Um, and so it's, it's been great. It's just I feel like for anybody, it's an adjustment when you go from a comfort zone to, I don't know anything anymore. Well, if you think about like what your brain has gone through during this transition, as you explained, you were Sacramento Kings, like you live, breathe new, you knew product, you knew everything going on. Now to switch from one meeting to the next, to talk about one major event to another in a different city, potentially a different sport on a different weekend, like your capacity to have to, to know those details and understand those activations and know what is, what's available to do is it's really the definition of leveling up. Like you're now Mm -hmm. doing something that is, is challenging you. You're around, um, probably a, a more wider audience of professionals because of the expanse of the events that you're doing. So yeah. congrats yeah. to you. I'm Thank very, you. very happy for you. And, uh, I want to like wrap up this call with something that is, is deeply personal. We've on this podcast of over a hundred episodes, we've talked about so many things of just being human, being woman, being a woman, being a woman in the workplace. But one of the things that we haven't ever touched on is someone's journey with, with IVF and Courtney is, is willing to talk about that and willing to share. She's working on growing her family with her husband while she is just freaking dominating at Revel XP. And, um, just want to put the ball in your court here and ask you to share a little bit about that journey, what it means to be working so hard on building your family and building your career and, you know, what your body has to go through when, when you are endeavoring, uh, in IVF. Yeah. You know, I, we talked a lot about just changing careers changing the city you lived in. And at the same time, we made the decision, I think two weeks after we moved into our house to start IVF. So it was just like, how many more things can we throw out to add into the mix of just like, here's another new thing to do. It was, it was really scary to start because you just don't really understand any of it at the level. And you honestly don't want to, I don't think. And so I think I'm more of an expert than I ever thought I would be. The, the interesting thing about doing IVF And I think for anybody going through a situation that can induce trauma or where there's so many hurdles is that everything else in your life continues as normal, irregardless of whatever you have had happen that day. And so there's been times where there's a hurdle and we get bad news and I'm on another call with 10 people from work 15 minutes later. And it's like, okay, so how do I get on camera and act like nothing's happened? And so, you know, I think what's been most helpful is. I've been able to be very transparent with some of the people I've worked with to the point where they've been very lenient with my, my travel, my work-life balance based on where I'm at in the journey. And so we just have a really strong support system within that. Um, But it's really led to me doing a lot of introspection of just realizing how much one person can be going through sitting in front of you 
talking like everything is completely fine. And so, you know, we're still on the journey. We're still going through the hurdles um, every day. And it's been a balance to go through that personally and also figure out how to continue to be bought in and engaged in your work life when everything is so messy in that that one area. And so we just try to we try to find ways to to grow through it and laugh through it. We joke about a lot of stuff, my husband and I, and we just try to find like the the humor and the the burden and challenge, you know. There's so much goodness in in what you said there in a, in a time that is just so challenging, you know, being able to to laugh through it and have that have that positive attitude when you know a lot of days your world is turned upside down um but in in regards to your workplace like your ability to to share that and probably the burden that has been lifted that your your teammates know that you're going through this uh rather than hiding it in in the background um i'm sure makes something that is indescribably difficult um just a tad bit easier yeah, it, it's, you know, I've talked to some other executives that have gone through it, um, other women executives, and like they would not say a word. So they would go through that. They'd be on airplanes doing the, the shot, all this crazy stuff, Emily. And so it's like, it's, yeah, it's just a different time. I think people are more open to hearing about it. It's sure it's still a little uncomfortable because it's not the greatest type of news to share with people. Um, but if there's strong people in your corner, then everybody's there for you. What was that like talking about it at first? Like what was, what was the, the instance where you decided that it was time to share? I, I just knew my personal boundaries for those windows that I was going to be doing treatments. Like I was not going to want to travel or I would be a nightmare around people. Like you're already don't feel like yourself, you know? And so I just knew. And so I just, I told my boss over the phone, I was like, I'm going to start IVF in two weeks. And I, I know that this is going to be a lot. Um, and I don't know how much I want to travel during that time. Like I will be engaged. I'm going to overperform on everything I can. And, you know, that was in the beginning. I've been doing IVF for a year and a half. Now I'm doing shots in the, the airport lounge after meetings. You know what I mean? So I think it says, unfortunately, I've gotten more and more used to it. And so I just, I just faced it head on. And like, if they're willing to have the conversation, I'll continue it. And if, if not, I would have adapted to that. So I just tried to be very transparent with it and they were, they've been wonderful. It's so great to hear that example, because we often talk about setting boundaries uh, and being transparent, but it's, it's, really easier said than done. Um, because a lot of times the boundaries that, that you're setting things around, um, it's either uncomfortable to share, or you're worried that you're going to be looked at a different way inside an organization because you have boundaries or limitations or, you know, things that you're not willing to do. Did you have those fears or did you feel really confident in that discussion? Uh, I definitely had those fears, especially with talking to other women that had gone through it before me and how there was no conversation about it. They, they kept it very hush hush. And that's why I think there's a lot of women going through IVF that, you know, they say there's, 
there's one in eight that experience some of these things. And sometimes it feels like you're like one in a million because people, people don't want to hear about bad things happening. That's why social media is typically on the personal side, very happy, you know? And so I was very nervous about it. Um, but I knew that I could not operate at my best work life if I didn't set those boundaries. And so I feel I actually exceeded expectations in my role because of the leniency they gave me. And I think I would have been a, a, a worse leader and worse coach for my team. And I would have struggled to implement strategy because I would have been mentally battling the days because I didn't have that autonomy. And so I really tried to position it as this is what I need. And, and honestly, Emily, it was, it was the easiest conversation. And I think that's also because I work with amazing people. Yeah. I, well, first of all, thank you for sharing this. I think so many listeners, men and women are going to hear what you're saying and, and resonate and find community because like you said, it's, it's one in eight that, um, have to go on this journey, um, to expand their family. So thank you for your willingness to share. And I just want to point out again, that culture has been the, sort of the number one support system for you again in in a little bit of a, of a different way and it, culture is um is something we talk about a lot because it's it's not ideal for a lot of people but i think that that you attract what you are and you are someone who is a really good addition to anybody's company's culture and that reflects back on you in your experience. I appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. You're an absolute star. And this has been so fun to talk with you today and learn more about all the amazing work you're doing. And I've got just a couple more questions before we wrap up um, the advice question again, but here a little bit further in the interview, number one piece of advice that you would give to a woman today. If she stopped you on the street or at a game and said, Courtney, what do I need to do to level up? What would you say? Yeah, um, I would get uncomfortable because it's going a woman for a lot of people, but being a woman in sports, it can be uncomfortable because you're going to try to break barriers. And so I would, I would push yourself to get out of your comfort zone as much as you can and be okay with being the only person doing something. You know, I was the only woman in my inside sales class. And so embrace embrace those things. Where are you traveling to next? I will be in Vegas next for my sister-in-law's 21st birthday. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> like I think my bedtime's like 9, 9 PM. So I'm going to see how well I do at this, but yeah, it'll be a good trip. I love that. Um, what's, what does the lineup look like for you? I don't know if we, we probably can't go out the whole year. Let's just say for the next couple of months in terms of, of travel. Yeah, right now I just will have some work trips. So I'll do, um, a California trip for work, some Atlanta, Houston stuff, but from a personal standpoint, Matt, Matt and I are so last minute, we'll book a vacation like two weeks before. And so I'm really praying we'll do a Europe trip. Um, and I hope he hears this because I want to go to Portugal, but <laughs> nothing, nothing booked yet beyond some work travel. 
I love that. There's, there's your tip right there. All right. Okay. What is your, your pump up or your walkout song? This is such a tough one for me. And I will tell you, I've been asked in an interview before what my go-to karaoke song is. And it was the, the worst question I've ever been asked. Cause I said, my heart will go on by Celine Dion. And it was just, that's a horrible song to pick first off. Um, but I, I always love a little notorious B.I.G. probably. Oh, that is a great answer. Yeah. We're talking pump up, not karaoke here. I know. (laughs) All right. And then finally, what is your favorite quote? My favorite quote is around getting uncomfortable. And so I, I don't know if I'm going to botch it or not. And I think I have it on my phone so that I don't, but I can tell you, let me find it. It, uh, it's, it's basically around what I've already talked about is like, be willing to get uncomfortable because within comfort growth happens. And that's, you know, the Ted talks I watch, the books I read, like those are things that I always try to find from just a theme. And so I think getting uncomfortable. I think uh, we know the title of the show. Get uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. Getting uncomfortable with Courtney Rice. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it's a great, uh, it's a great lesson. Uh, it's, it's a great lesson for those to learn who don't know it yet. And it's a great reminder for those of us who do, but haven't done it in a while, get, get uncomfortable. And that's where the growth happens. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure interviewing you today for leadership is female to launch season six. And I'm so excited for what this year, 2023 has in store for you. And for, uh, for another girl with, with some roots in the NBA, 23 is a special number for us from Chicago with, uh, good old Michael Jordan. So it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a big year for sure. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Courtney Rice, everyone. With that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, push yourself to get uncomfortable and do the things you don't want to do. It's outside your comfort zone where growth happens. Number two, when it comes to sales in today's marketplace, get creative, get curious, and practice resilience. Ask yourself, how are you reaching them in the way that they want to be reached? Number three, opportunity must exist around you in order to be promoted. Where are the gaps that you can help fill? Build your presence through working in the gaps. And number four, be able to take feedback and coaching. Worst case scenario is that 5% of feedback is true, which means there is a takeaway for self-improvement from all feedback. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Time is your most precious resource, and it means the world that you spent it with us. Please help us reach more people who need to hear these interviews by hitting the subscribe button and the five-star rating on your iPhone. Do you know someone who could benefit from this interview? Please share it. Take a screenshot and post your Instagram stories, copy the link and share on LinkedIn, or text that link to your colleague. The Leadership is Female podcast exists to showcase female leadership in sports and entertainment and give you the tips to level up. We will extend a hand back to lead you forward. Extend the same hand by sharing this with someone who needs to hear it. One last thing. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Leadership is Female. Now, take this lesson and run. Let's go. 
This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.